Welcome to the Synthesis Clinic podcast, bringing you closer to experts in precision health and integrative medicine, as well as sharing stories from the clinic and beyond of real-life resilience, connection and transformation. Brought to you by Dr. Nina Fuller-Cheval, Clinic Director and Medical Doctor, and me, Octavia Hamilton, Physiotherapist. We hope this will be a resource to empower you along your journey, connecting the dots for women's health. Welcome back to the Synthesis Clinic podcast. It's safe to say that life is busy, intense, and at times stressful. We talked to Laura Coleman from Be Modern Meditation about what meditation is and how it can help us. We cover some great techniques to focus inwardly, even if just for a brief moment throughout our days, to help us downregulate our nervous system. We even do a two-minute taster. I love this interview, and I hope you will too. Welcome, Laura. Thanks for joining me here today. Anybody who knows me knows that breathwork and therefore in turn meditation has been a bit of a game changer for me, especially over the pandemic. And I'm sure for other people as well. I use it kind of weekly now, um, quite daily yet, Um, (laughs) but there's still always room for improvement. But yeah, I definitely tap into it when I need to kind of focus myself or settle my nerves or just need a bit of downtime. So yeah, so we're here with Laura Coleman, the founder of Bee Meditation. Um, Laura, can you start by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? I'm really glad to hear that over the pandemic that breathwork and meditation has really helped you. I think actually to a lot of people that's been the case for really. It opened up a bit of space for it, didn't it? Um, and for me, I founded Bee Modern Meditation because... It was really, it was something that meditation was something that was a game changer for me too. Uh, I had one of those moments that maybe, maybe at some point in our lives we all have where I reached probably a kind of a a bottoming out place where I hadn't realized how much I was struggling to maintain the external impression of everything being great and and inside finding it really difficult. And I, I found myself writing the words, I am nothing in my journal. And it was kind of a bit of a, a trigger of, hang on, something's got to change here because that's true and how awful is that or it's not true and how awful I feel that way. So meditation, I kind of stumbled across it if I'm honest and it had been one of those on the to-do list for years. I don't know if it was like that for you of... I thought, yeah, I'm sure it would really help me because I've always been a real chronic overthinker, 100 miles an hour kind of a person. And so, but it never quite made it up the list. And then I stumbled across it at this point when I was feeling a bit broken and and uncovering anxiety and, and actually in hindsight, a bit of depression that I hadn't really acknowledged. And meditation, it wasn't a magic bullet that, you know, I started to meditate and hallelujah you know everything was great but it gave me this scaffolding of a totally different way of experiencing my life and it changed my whole perspective on how to what and what living a meaningful life is and how to follow the breadcrumbs of passion and purpose and ultimately then I went on to study things like psychology and acceptance commitment therapy and kind of was was really I suppose accumulating knowledge and things that I hadn't really I wasn't really aware of why I was doing those things and at the time when all of that was happening for me, I was living in Australia, in Melbourne, which was an amazing place to live. And we moved back to the UK. And um, and at that point, I thought, ah, I'm kind of ready to, I want to share this. I want to help other people who are in this place, you know, and or have been in that place. 
so I never actually intended to be a meditation teacher, to be honest. I just wanted to help people getting unstuck. When I was following that, what I kept coming back to was this, this fundamental piece that was missing and what was needed was this shift in awareness and this different way of seeing things, which is where then I sort of accidentally trained as a meditation teacher, if you like, and then I've woven into the program that I run and all of the things that I do, those other elements from psychology, from acceptance, commitment therapy, and, and now cognitive behavioral therapy and hypnotherapy so it's kind of a real blend with meditation at its core I think that's one of the things I mean I had probably tried meditation or breath work and all these different things you know headspace and calm and I just really struggled with it you know whenever I did it I either couldn't quieten my mind properly or you know I found it boring or or it totally spun me out because I'd be alone alone with my thoughts and suddenly I'd have a complete meltdown and you know I think it can be if you're not doing it in the right way or in the right you know with the right support or you know even something that kind of works for you because I think we all probably tap into that space or calmness differently yeah it can be quite unnerving or or just not beneficial there's a couple of things there that you've described that are such common and universal experiences with meditation but at the same time when we're experiencing them it feels like I'm just really bad at this you know that idea of I can't make time for it and, and what's that all about because I know it'll be good for me and um, and that idea of like I can't make my mind be quiet and there's a big that's a big thing and and it feels like we're really rubbish at meditation when we start sometimes because we close our eyes it's just another thing to be rubbish at <laughs> I can't even meditate. Yeah, like my mind is so crazy, particularly if you are having a difficult time and you are somebody that is living in a very stressed out way. Being alone with that stress in your own mind can feel quite difficult at first. And so you're absolutely right that doing it in a way that works for you, not just some way that somebody else has told you to do, is really, really key to making it, making it sustainable as well. I love on your website you say that making meditation accessible is your ninja skill. I think that's such a great um, description. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think I think it is. So tell me a bit more about um, how modern meditation is and, and how it works and what, what the kind of platform is all about. Because meditation, we're all coming to it from a different place. So, you know, like for me, when I was first starting, it was like, how do I actually get started with this and, and make it sustainable? So the first thing that I offer for people is getting it started you know actually how do you get rid of the myths and all of the misconceptions and do it in a way that's really simple and, and we can maybe even have a little taste of that later on in our chat today so I have lots of sort of digital ways that people can kind of just you know drop in and do that for themselves and then I have ways that people can do that and build that with support from me and I think that can sometimes be the difference of people is having support and community around it so that you don't feel like you're floundering and you do have somewhere to go to say this is like my experience right now what can I do or and how can I apply this in my life so that you know I'm using it so so for some people it is that having support and having uh, having people around um, and then and then for some people like it was for me it's the beginning of a bigger journey and and it's the it's a way to then start exploring what does a meaningful life look like for me and how can I how can I actually use this new awareness this new way of being with my experience in particular a new way of being with my thoughts so that I can start to feel more like not control of my life because 
in a way it's that letting go of control that's really is is really the game changer but it's a way of of seeing that we're not at the mercy of our thoughts we don't have to be you know stuck when we when our thoughts you know do their crazy thing you know that human thing of being lost in thoughts and having your thoughts not being positive and helpful you know we can actually take control of that so a lot of that that being able to work with that is also really helpful I think also, you know, it's, again, my own personal experience, sometimes it's just a picking up on an awareness of when maybe a negative thought is coming in and then kind of accepting that thought process, but also knowing how to stop it and then move and then shifting it, you know, into like more of a positive turnaround or, you know, even just um, just not being controlled by those thoughts. You know, we talk a lot about fear and, you know, well, yeah, I think fear is just a really good word to kind of describe things that paralyze people. You know, it, it comes from this, it is all in your mind, fear. It's it's kind of a, what is it? They call it false expectations. But um, it's when you have this false assumption about something that's going to happen. And the way that you look at the situation, I guess it's where cognitive behavioral therapy comes in. If you see a tiger, um, you know, the fear kicks in, the, the heart rate increases, the sweat, you know, you have a whole, uh, you know, physiological hormonal response and then you have you know beliefs all these memories and then you take action and whereas if you change your beliefs and your your understanding of the situation you have a very different physiological response which allows you to make better or different choices so yeah and the science and that's really interesting in terms of how meditation really facilitates that you know what you're describing there of almost being able to intercept because you know where there's a stimulus whether that is you know tiger on the horizon like it would have been in the past or that notification that email from your boss or the kids doing something or whatever whatever that stimulus is when we're in uh when we're really activated all the time we're just in reactivity and we're using we're in a part of our brain which is about reactivity as well when we're in that stress state and what the research on meditation shows is that what we what we start to build it's a bit like building a muscle really we build that capacity to be using this kind of part of our brain this much more there's a prefrontal cortex part of our brain which is more about having that time to stop and consider things and make a decision so it's like meditation gifts you this pause button and you know by down regulating the amygdala which is like the alarm bell of the brain that's the thing that's that's firing we're less triggered by the things that happen and we build this muscle for being able to take a big bigger picture emotionally regulate and and respond rather than react and from that place from that place of having a pause being able to feel, you know, we're never going to stop feeling the stimulus of the tiger or the email or the whatever, or the carp cutting you up or the whatever it is, the stimulus will still be there. But having that moment of, of responding rather than reacting, that's where life changes. Because, and you know, one of the biggest things when I first started to meditate, I, I guess my kind of hidden, the thing I was most shameful of, and I think a lot of us carry a lot of shame about the way we experience our lives, was, you know, actually, was I able to be the kind of mum I really wanted to be at that time? And, and the answer was no, because, you know, more often than I, I wanted, I was turning into shouty mum, you know, the kind of reactive you know, and seeing that, you know, the reaction of that in my children. So when I started to meditate and build this pause button, suddenly, you know, I didn't lose it when, you know, I'd asked them for the 50 billionth time to get shoes on and we were late and la 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 la. Uh, and, and I remember my daughter and it was kind of a really, it was a really important moment because she said to me, oh, mommy, I like it now that you're not shouting. And I was just like, <gasps> it was kind of a bit of a dagger in the heart of, oh my God, you really, you really did feel my suffering 
Um, but also a real moment of, I'm taking this back. You know, I am becoming the person I want to be more often. Absolutely. And I think, you know, something to say about that as a, as a parent is that, you know, you're not going to get it right all the time. But even if you can just have that ability to take back control of those moments and knowing that you know what things are not going well today I'm just going to go take five minutes and then a big deep breath and then come back uh, Monday morning I got up at 5am because I'm like trying to get some stuff done and I woke up I'd had a bad dream so I was in already in a bit of a funny mood and then I realized that I'd left a slow cooker on and burnt all the food that I'd cooked oh no oh no <laughs> Then I fused the house and it was raining and I'd left all the washing outside. And that was like quarter past five in the morning on Monday. I was like, wow, this is quite a start to the week. And I just sat down and I did 15 minutes of meditation because I was like, this is what I need this morning. And once I got up from the sofa, it just felt like I'd started my day all over again. And I just kind of laughed about it and it was fine. But obviously I was frustrated because I had to do the washing again and I burnt all the food and you know the the slow cooker's probably broken now but you know it was all okay so yeah and that's such a great example there of you know that you had that choice there of you know you could have been your whole day could have been this is a disaster you know the whole kind of the whole kind of talk in your mind could have been about I'm such an idiot I can't believe this has happened this is ridiculous this is going to be a bad day (laughs) Yeah, what a terrible day. And so, you know, that's that's amazing. And the good news is that, you know, if 15 minutes isn't attainable right now, if that's too difficult, if you haven't got that time or you've got little people that get up at that time or you've got to get out the door, you know, taking that one minute, you know, taking micro moments in your day to pause, breathe, do whatever and find a way that works for you is going to equally create those moments of pause and reflection and give you that control back. So what clients would you normally see on your platform? Do you do it as groups? Do you do it as one-to-ones? To be honest, it's a real mixture. So I kind of do everything from, you know, do corporate talks at, you know, all sorts of places. Um, everything from accountants, project managers to I did something with the World Health Organization. Um, you know, all like cancer research. They're so all kind of different organizations. Some, some very male dominated, some very female dominated, some a real mixture. Um, and that's really more that kind of really helping people understand the science of what exactly is this doing and how can you do this much more simply than you might think to manage stress and overwhelm and, and be really productive and, and live a good life. Um, I also do groups of often women, actually, or, or one-to-one clients um, who are at that point where they know they've almost had that, that awakening of like, I need to do something differently. And they've been looking for a way to a build toolkit really that that's going to really support them in the life changes they want to make um, and take things forward so um, so I have a membership that means that people can work with me either one-to-one or in groups and then they can kind of continue that and not feel like it's so I don't know if this has happened to you it's definitely happened to me where you've learned some new skill you've done a course or you've done and for a while you think yeah this is totally me now I'm I'm someone who does this yeah brilliant and then you know suddenly I don't know, you go on holiday or somebody's sick or you have a couple of few weeks and then that thing's gone and you sort of disconnect from it and you think, oh, I know that used to really help me. I wish I could do that still, but oh, well, I'm, I guess I'm not somebody that does that. And that's really why having the membership, having an online pr- platform where, where lots and lots of resources are stored means that 
people always have that contact point and and you know and I, I used the analogy the other day with a client we were talking about and she was talking about this feeling of not drifting too far and I was saying it's a bit like you know when you've got a boat that's tied up on a dock you know it can't even though it can drift away from the dock it's not going to be drifting out and you know and out and be completely aimless it's kind of still got that connection so there's still movement and there's still flex and I think that's the thing when we have a built want to build a habit it's about building in flex for real life you know that it's not realistic for most of us to think that we're going to 100% consistently do things for the rest of our lives it's just not how it works Uh, and finding building in ways to almost like um, build in for our own uh, imperfectness um, is actually really important when you're building habits so you don't so you don't beat yourself up and have that inner talk of I'm just useless with something like this it's kind of it's probably better to practice it more regularly than not but uh, it's also a tool that is really helpful when you're going through those harder moments you probably end up using it more when you need it rather than you know that constant thing however I'm kind of coming back to the sports analogy again you know when you stop running and then you try and start running again you've kind of got to start from the beginning again and it's quite hard and that motivation of like that first run when you you know lugging this heavy body with with these dead muscles you're like oh god you know it's suddenly you just think this is so hard and sometimes you kind of want to avoid even doing it because you think this is just going to be too much but yeah I guess having that kind of um accountability and that that prompt to be um and that that group environment does really help keep you practicing when you're thinking about being compassionate to yourself and self-compassion which can be a tricky thing for us for all of us you know there's you know one of the components of self-compassion actually that stops it from being you know self-pitying of like you know oh woe is me life's so hard for me one of the things is you know like for example if we take that example of if it is running or as meditation and you've dropped fallen off the wagon and you want to get back into it rather than it being you know that sense of God, I'm so, it's me, I'm so useless, I'm so flawed. Connecting, another thing that's great about community is that you connect with other people going, God, I find this difficult too. And there's a common humanity about, oh, I'm human, you're human. Like, this is what it means to be human. And that's, it makes it much easier to be gentle with yourself. 100%. And then you hear other people's challenges that they're doing. And, you know, say, well, do you know what I did when I was struggling with that? I tried putting a reminder on my phone to, I've got reminders on my phone about gratitude and also, what would your life look like if, if you were to do things that were supportive of you rather than, you know, everyone else all the time? And just little kind of tips that kind of kick in my brain to think, you know what, what am I grateful for today? Because, you know, I do it at the end of my day when I've just finished, yeah. I'm tired, exhausted, and I'm about to pick up the kids. And, you know, it's like that next thing you've got to be like, OK, psych yourself up. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. And then I say, what are you grateful for? And I just, it always pings up on my phone right at the right time. I think, oh, that's brilliant. Okay, you know, what am I grateful for? And it's amazing. So, um, and it's nice each day to think, you know. Well, gratitude practice. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. What I love is that things like gratitude practices now, there is so much science now that supports you know, the efficacy of it, like, why does it work? And how does it work? And, you know, it, it's not just that it feels good, it actually is doing it's making changes to how you respond to things. Yeah, it's also you feel exactly you feel the emotion. And then when the, you feel the emotion, the chemicals that really are released in your body actually have an impact on your hormonal system and all that sort of stuff. So you're actually, as you say, making changes to your body. So the fear thing, it was false expectations appearing real. 
That's what it is. Oh, yes, I know what you mean. Now, the um, acronym, yes. Yes, the acronym, yes. I was trying to think of what, what that fear is. So. Again, it links back to, you know, one of the benefits of meditation, because we think of it as like, oh, well, I'm going to close my eyes for a few minutes and then it's going to make me feel really relaxed and that's going to be a lovely experience. Well, there's two things. The first thing is that it isn't always a lovely experience when you close your eyes and be still, because actually you become aware of the noise, you become aware of the distraction. But also it's naturally, we actually don't meditate for that five or 10 minutes just for the benefit of that. It's actually for, the changes it makes outside of that and it's that mind what it creates it cultivates mindfulness which is essentially just paying attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment and it's the without judgment is the kind of letting go of the stories of you know what's going on and what it means and why it is that way like you did the other morning when you stopped and you paused you let go of the stories of you know it could have meant all sorts of you, your, your mind would have created lots of stories about what it meant that you'd left the washing out you'd left the slow dry slow cooker on and all that stuff and what it meant about you what it meant about how your day was going to go and instead you brought yourself back to being really mindful which is which frees you up to experience what's actually happening which is still annoying, but it doesn't have to change everything else. Absolutely. In terms of building it into your daily routine, how would you kind of suggest, what sort of tips would you give? It's a great question. Well, the first thing I would suggest is to start really, really small. It's like, what's the smallest, most manageable thing that you can do? And if that's one minute in the car, sitting outside your kid's school or before you get into work, that's a great place to start. And it's just building it like you have building triggers to make that happen. So if you can attach it to something you already do, that's really useful. So I've got a you know a free thing that I that I offer people, which is about four ways to find calm in your day that don't involve sitting on a cushion. And you know one of the things in that is about like so some of my clients that you know go every time they go to the toilet that's that's their trigger to take a mindful moment. And so you know make it small, make it fit in your day exactly as it is. So don't try and suddenly think I'm going to get up at. 5am and I'm going to do it for 30 minutes and um, and I'm just going to make myself do that. That's just not, it's not realistic. And I would say just be really kind to yourself. So, you know, be grateful when you do it. And, but also don't beat yourself up when you don't. And, and, and if you can find ways to have some kind of external way of, of having accountability, whether that's with a friend or with, with like logging it on your phone or something that means you can see your progress. Um, you know, you can even, there's meditation apps where, which track, you know, how often you are meditating. So I've got some meditations on an app called Insight Timer, which is free. It's great because, you know, I do meditations on there with all sorts of teachers and with the timer and it tracks the minutes that you meditate for. And so it was quite, quite, you know, it's quite rewarding to see, oh my God, over a month I've done, no, even if it's just 20 minutes you've done, it's still, you've kind of made progress. But also having that, you know, as you say, building up that time, that time that you're able to sit in those moments, um, you know, because I know some people get fidgety after a certain period of time as well. And am I right on your platform, you have, you send kind of weekly, um, monthly have a theme for the month and the week one of the things with meditation as well and I don't know if you've experienced this when you mentioned it earlier it can feel a bit boring you know like our brains are really good at predicting and I know mine is I have a kind of slight attention deficit kind of brain and so you know I need sort of I need novelty I need stimulation I need things to still feel exciting in a way and so um, because I've been meditating with my community for two years now um, and, and for the first year that was that was daily meditations live I've got a huge library of meditations tailored to all sorts of different things whether that's 
that's in everything from procrastination to overwhelm to self-compassion to building a, a joyful life. And so each month we have a theme and, um, and I curate every week um, some inspiration around just something to think about, something to just a prompt for the week uh, and with, with some curated, three curated practices from that big library with a journal prompt um, with an affirmation for that week and then we meditate live during that week as well and people can drop in and out and they get their recordings so it's a really great way of, of feeling like you're kind of still that your, your practice is growing and you're you're developing with it so this month our theme is actually relax and flow so we're actually we're actually deepening into relaxation and there's lots of different uh, and often I, often I don't focus on relaxation with meditation because Actually, relaxation is kind of often an accidental byproduct of meditation, not the purpose of it. But if we do consciously focus on relaxation, then it can unlock lots of other things. That's what we're doing this this month um, with lots of different ways. I'm sure we could all do with relaxation. Um, someone once said to me was that monks, when they bring their hands together to pray, is they go deep into that meditative state very quickly because they practice it all the time. And I think that's another reason why it's probably quite important to practice all these different things, positive mindset, you know, breath work, meditation, because it then becomes a lot easier to tap into those states of mind and that what it is you're trying to achieve, because it's hard and we are so negative and hard on ourselves and we are just surrounded constantly with this bombardment of, as you say, pop-ups on your phone, you know, emails, work, school emails. Yeah. Oh my God, how many do you get a day? It's never ending, you know. And school WhatsApp. How about doing a little taster? Yeah, absolutely. And let's do like literally just two or three minutes. And most people with this particular practice, when I do this practice with people, they're quite surprised at just how effective it is at just, you know, tuning them in. And there's only two things you need to know in terms of setting up for it, which is good news. So the first thing is there are no special postures. You just need to be comfortable sort of sitting in your office chair, sitting on a sofa. I like to have my lower back supported just because then I can just properly just not be holding myself rigid and having to concentrate on being uh, having my posture straight. So it's just finding a middle space between active and relaxed. So you don't want to be kind of so relaxed that you're falling asleep for this kind of attention style practice. Um, and we don't want to be kind of holding it too tight as well. I think the only other thing with posture is that I recommend um, for if you're doing a kind of meditation for this training of attention, giving yourself the space, try not to have your head resting back on anything because um, there's almost like a physiological trigger that will make you fall asleep if your head's resting back. Whereas if your head's not, even if you're a little bit nodding dog and there's a bit of drool, um, you know, you, we're all friends here, it's fine. Um, even if that, even if you have that, you're in a state of falling asleep, not actually being asleep. And there's such, there is a subtle difference in terms of what's going on. So that's it on posture. And, and then the second thing is just around your mind. So when you close your eyes, if you're human, then probably very quickly thoughts will show up and that is okay. And in fact, thoughts showing up in meditation is great. Because that moment of noticing that you've been distracted by a thought and bringing your attention back, that is like the bicep curl of your meditation practice. That moment of noticing and coming back, you're training your attention, you're training this part of our brain, that prefrontal cortex, you're training your, your capacity to pay attention where you choose. So if you have a meditation that's full of thoughts and you're having to bring that mind back over and over again, that's a great meditation. It's like having a really strenuous workout at the gym where you think, where you feel like you're going to die during it. Um, it's just like that. So you can let go of any expectation or need for your mind to empty. It might empty. You might find that things get much calmer and stiller and you feel your body almost becoming weightless, but it's not necessary. Even if you have a meditation that feels distracted, 
it's still working. So, um, which is good news. So if you want to gently close down your eyes and just allow yourself to just come into stillness and, and maybe you're already noticing that your mind is jumping around, but so often we're looking outwards and rushing to get somewhere and just for the next couple of minutes, we're going to do the opposite. So we're just turning inwards and we're going to start by taking our attention to the very tips of our fingers. So without moving the fingers, just let your full focus rest there for a moment. And you might notice when you rest your attention on your fingertips that there's a gentle tingling or buzzing in the fingers, like a vibration or humming. If you don't feel anything, that's okay too. Just focus on allowing your attention to gently rest on the fingertips. And if you're feeling that sensation of tingling or buzzing, that's just your nervous system responding to you turning inwards, your fingers preparing for movement, allowing you to notice that you're here. And if your mind's wandered, just gently bring it back. And then we'll add your toes to your awareness now. So. Your fingers and your toes are in your awareness. And if you need to slightly wiggle your toes to remind yourself where they are, you can do that too. And then bring them to stillness. Maybe there's a gentle tingling in your toes as well as your fingers. Maybe you feel it more in the fingers or one side or the other. And then allow your awareness to spill over the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet. Allowing you, you're traveling up the ankles, the shins, the calves, all the way up to the knees. And from the knees, traveling up through your thighs and into your hips. Feeling the weight of your legs, maybe feeling the chair supporting you. Maybe there's a heaviness or a lightness to the legs. Just notice. And if your mind's wandered, just gently bring it back. And from your hands now, allow that awareness to travel up your wrists and your forearms. To the crook of the arm and all the way up the tops of the arms to the shoulders. Feeling the arms against the side of the body. Maybe the shoulders begin to fall away from the ears. As you allow your awareness to spill across your chest, down into your belly, your whole body in your awareness now, just noticing how that feels, noticing the jaw, the forehead, top of the head. And setting an intention to be right here, no matter what your mind is doing. That I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. There's nowhere else to go. There's nothing else to do. This moment is all that's real. Slowly allowing 
movement to return to the fingers and the toes, really tiny movements. And taking any other movements through your body as you just gently blink open your eyes and just keep the gaze soft for a moment. Just allow the room to come back into your awareness. Just take a little mental scan. And I don't know how long that took, but probably like two or three minutes, uh, maybe four. Uh, so it, it's surprising how short a time it can take to shift states. And, and actually what we did there was we just, we just started to shift our nervous system out of stress response and into relaxation response. So even if somebody listening, if their mind was still spinning and they were still feeling in that stress, they're still making that shift in their nervous system. And it's that shifting states of the nervous system, which is what changes how we process stress over the course of a day. Because rather than it being one big solid band of stress through our day, we've broken it up into little pockets instead. And so even if you can't change the amount of stress in your life, you can change how you process it. Just giving yourself that little bit of a pause just to take breath to then deal with the next thing that comes in. It's really interesting that when I do that, I have a very visual experience. So I don't know if this is the physio in me, but I can literally visualize like every bone and then work all the way up the body. And it's all that they're all, they were like all illuminated. And I don't know. I was like, this is, it's, it, I always have really visual kind of, you know, whenever I'm told to kind of focus on things that, you know, when you think about the energy and the feelings, like I just, yeah. And it's, you know, actually it's, and it's really interesting because everyone's experience is so different. And, um, you know, and some people feel a real weightlessness. Some people almost lose sense of, they can't feel their hands even by the end. It's like their body's, kind of gone so yeah it's really interesting so if you were to give three tips for a calmer life what would they be oh three tips for a calmer life is accept that it won't always be calm because the acceptance is what allows it to be calm in a weird paradox the second thing would be be kind to yourself in baby steps so letting yourself be imperfectly taking steps towards the, the calm life that you want and the third thing would be make time every day even if it's just one minute to those micro moments yeah what is a micro moment just to clarify what would one do in a micro moment if you think of it as like uh if say i've got a spotlight outwards all the time and i'm kind of looking outwards a micro moment is just a micro moment of just turning that inwards for a second and you could turn that inwards by you know focusing on your fingertips for a moment it's basically just disconnecting from the outward focus just for a moment into your internal experience and there's a few different ways you can do that you could do that just by focusing on where's my breath right now you could do it by focusing on what does it feel like in my fingers you could do it by focusing on and you could do it by focusing on the feel of your feet on the floor so it's just a micro disconnect from the stress well, thank you so much, Laura. This has been a very calming and grounding experience and, and really interesting kind of just talking through, you know, all the different ways that, you know, meditation can help you. And hopefully we've kind of busted a few myths about how it's, you know, all just about being, you know, sat cross-legged on a cushion with your hands kind of, you know, pulled together. But if people want to find you, then um, they can look uh, at the links in the bio and on your website and uh, you do monthly interviews as well don't you with different practitioners yeah I have guest expert sessions yes because as you probably know as well and I do like there's no there is no one magic bullet we actually have to craft a life um, of meaning through lots of different things and find our own kind of flavor and I'm looking forward to inviting you and welcoming you to be a guest expert in a few months time so that's going to be a really juicy session 
I am very excited about that as well. If people get onto my mailing list or sign up for anything, then they'll get to hear about that as well. So they can follow me on social media. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and letting us know a little bit more about how we can easily and accessibly reduce the stress in our lives. And I hope that people will be taking action from today in tiny little bites. (laughs) Tiny bites. Thanks, Octavia. All right. Take care, Laura. Chat to you soon. Thank you for listening. If you have a question, hot topic or a story for us to share, please contact us on podcast at synthesisclinic.co.uk. Please rate, comment and share the podcast so that others can benefit from the information provided and the important topics discussed on women's health.